I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why, that's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, 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 come on. Hi guys, welcome to Glitch in the Code. Hope you're well. Thank you for joining us and thank you for all the lovely comments from the previous podcast that I've done on, on the site and, and for all the new subscribers. It's been great that you're all joining us for this. I'm with a new guest today, Josh Hamilton. He's an author of Brexit, the Establishment Civil War, and it's really good to speak to new people. I, this is what I find fascinating about this is why I do the podcast. It's just to meet new people. It was always about meeting new people for me and it was never about anything else and meet new people and then a lot of people I've met on the podcast as you guys know I've gone on to do films with documentaries with series for iconic um I've worked with I met out in real life and that's the whole point in doing this is that and learning new things and Josh is going to school me today on politics because I'm absolutely clueless when it comes to politics I really am as you probably know so Josh um welcome to the show thank you for getting in touch can you tell us and tell the audience a little bit about yourself and why you decided to read this book? And then we'll probably we'll go into some weird mind control through Cambridge Analytica, strange stuff. Mm. So uh, my name is Josh Hamilton. I am a graduate of Queen's University and I run the gist.co.uk and, and the podcast there, Chatter. And I basically decided to write this book because I started looking at, at Brexit and at, at Trump and, and some of the other things that were happening in, in politics and started to realize that, that social media was, was playing such a huge role in it. And, and not that that hasn't been acknowledged, but I feel like the influence that it has had on, on just our modern culture, society, democracy is, is way, way outsized compared to the impact that you would see considered on, say, like the BBC. I don't think the BBC, if, you're, if they have a report on you know, how social media is, is affecting democracy, I don't think that's anywhere near the level of like analysis that it really, well, that it, that it deserves, really, because this is... Just like simply, one of the things I, I focus on is uh, micro-targeted adverts um, on Facebook and on Twitter, but mainly on Facebook. And it was used by, by Cambridge Analytica and SCL and a couple of their other sort of companies under their umbrella. And even just that little piece of technology alone is so unfathomably powerful. And I feel like we get no acknowledgement that that's the case. Like it's this, this revolutionary piece of technology that that is unregulated with no oversight with no control over it and it's it's just sort of been like unleashed upon us <laughs> without any sort of consideration from from most of us as to how powerful it is and yeah the more i the more i did my research on the book the more sort of terrified i got about how that plus yeah a lot of the other flaws of social media was was really starting to ruin um, our democracy and our, our, our culture and our society and uh, yeah decided I would write a book about it. <laughs> well you mentioned there something just popped into my head that I wanted to ask you about this you said like that people don't they watch the BBC and that but it doesn't have that much of an impact compared to social media but does social media say the Facebook's the Twitter boister what they're saying so it almost gives it a, a badge of honor like say so you'll watch something on social media and people will share it sorry BBC and share it and that kind of acts as a little brother going along kind of giving it a bit of um, credibility mm. no that's a hundred percent happening like I, I hear a lot of people talking about how like the mainstream media is dying or the mainstream press is dying and I've kind of heard that that discussion going on for for 
minimum five to ten years and uh, essentially they still they're still the people that drive the coverage online mostly and the so say say someone goes on the BBC or on Channel 4 or you know there's a there's a few examples of, of, of interviews with people like Piers Morgan that just go viral yeah. on on social media and, and they drive the the coverage so so you're right it is it is being used um to to bolster that that mainstream narrative and it's, it's telling is when you when you search for something in youtube for example like you always get like first up like bbc source itv source channel four source like i've been looking for videos of people on the street at the at the kill the bill protests yeah. and i'm only able to find like the when you when you search it you have to really scroll because you mainly just get like the bbc like clips about it or the the channel four clips and you really have to like scroll to find like more independent people these days but the the part of social media that i'm talking about that, that i'm really concerned about is the ability for people to as i said micro target adverts to people based on on their personality that that, that can be ascertained from all of the data that Facebook has built up on you over the entire time that you've been using it, plus any other uh, data sources that companies like, say, Cambridge Analytica will, will purchase and feed into to their model. And it, it, gives, you, it gives people the ability to, to micro-target things at, at you in ways that you maybe wouldn't even like, understand why it affects you. And maybe like the people who are writing the code don't even understand why that's targeting these people with a specific point. And yet it's just sort of happening without any real understanding of the of, 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 of how much impact this has or, or how it can change people's opinion. And there's, there's, there's a handful of studies that I talk about in, in my book, the main one being um, an example in America with uh, there was a congressional candidate called Roy Moore who ran in Alabama in a special election. And basically uh, a couple of uh, researchers were able to ascertain that the way they targeted news and adverts at people was able to increase or decrease their likelihood to turn out to vote. Like that's, 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 and they didn't have a particularly huge budget. Imagine if you're talking about the millions that are getting thrown around in, in elections in, in Britain and the, like the actual billions of dollars that are being spent on elections in, in the US. It, it, it doesn't bear thinking about just how much impact that can have from, from a handful of people sat behind a laptop screen. Like the, the, there is no accountability or oversight for it. And, and that's what scares me. You come out with a bit with with a um a few little a few numbers here in the podcast. I just listened to um to do some notes for this, and and you said if when you typed in the word depression, two hundred tracks or cookies go onto your computer, and this data will be used to sell you things like um, antidepressants. There's just an example of when you type something in, how much data they pull from that, and then feed it back in to sell you a product. That's incredible, and that's just that's just that. I think it was Neil Sanders told me they've got at least. 5,000 points of data on each individual of nearly 7.6 billion people. Not everyone's using the internet, obviously, but billions of people around the world. 5,000 points of data so they understand your nuances and what buttons to press. And this is the internet. It's only been around 20-odd years now. So how did you come... When you first saw that and saw how much data they were taking, what, what was your first thought? 
I mean, I've become like increasingly more paranoid about how much <laughs> how much data there is about, like out there, um, just because I I don't feel particularly comfortable with it for whatever reason. I kind of feel like it's my info and it, it should belong to me, and that's that's what a lot of like the early pioneers of the internet really wanted it to be. And I, I the the reaction when when you when you start to consider like I don't think the five thousand data points is 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 a hundred percent accurate. Um, Alexander Nix, the man who claimed that, who was the uh, CEO of, of Cambridge Analytica for a while, he has a habit of overstating how much they're, they're doing, which made, the, which made the, the research for the book a little difficult because I've got a whole chapter on, on SCL and Cambridge Analytica. But like the, the, the amount of data that is out there is real. Like There is a reason that, that, that there's that phrase that's tossed around that data is the new oil is because it is literally the most valuable resource on the planet. Like there is no, there is no resource that is more valuable to, to huge companies like, like Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or Google even that, that, that is the entire reason for their valuation in the hundreds of billions of pounds. There is like, if, if they did not have that data on us, we, it would be worthless. Like it would, it, they would have to charge because they would not be generating the revenue in order to, to, to build this, this infrastructure with all its, you know, either horrible or wonderful features, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. But the, their, their value is based entirely on what they know about us. And, and it's, it's a, a thing that I have to drill into people's heads and I have to drill it into my own head as well. That's not me like, like lecturing other people as well. I'm, I, I've only like just got off of Facebook and Instagram because I was there trying to promote stuff and mm. I just decided to, to ditch it, you know, um, because I was like, yeah, like, I'm, just, I'm just getting out. It was, it was a whole bunch of new updates that, that I, on their terms of service. And I was just like, no, I'm just going to use this as the excuse to, to, to run. But it, it's, we, we are the product. We are not... We are not the customers of Facebook. We are the users, like the people addicted to scrolling, the sc scrolling through our screens in a in a in an app or or a whole bunch of apps that are are literally designed by addiction experts in order to maximize the amount of time they can get to suck from your day and spend looking at their screen because. The longer we can spend looking at it, the more data they compile on our behavior and the better able they are to sell products to us. And the, the, the scary thing for me is when it turns from just trying to sell you like antidepressants are already horrifying enough. But when it goes from trying to sell you a product or like say your next holiday or your, your next digital camera or phone, and it turns into trying to sell you ideas and the, the people who are going to be running the country then I feel like it becomes even more terrifying. Absolutely. There was a documentary out a few years ago with the Israeli lobby, the lobbying, and that was a similar thing. The, the lobbying that goes on from these big tech companies, I mean, it's quite clear that the, the likes of the World Health Organization are running the show and, and the likes of Bill Gates are running the world. And it goes up and up and up. But the lobbying that goes on, the, the privatization that we've had, we are, I, I liken it to, and I've said to, to, to make Gaz, um, that we are almost under a one world corporation already. We kind of all function under that one world corporation and the world has come like a massive mini market. And we're wandering around these corporations that are really all connected at some level, but we didn't realize it, it seeped in. I wanted to just ask you how, how, because writing a book, when you're researching the book, 
but you're aware that what you're researching might be being fed back into you through the thing you're actually researching. What sort of a mind fuck is that? Because I've had the same thought is that, am I researching things that are just, just there given to me to, you know, com- complement or, or what I'm actually want to believe. Did you have that sort of thought process? Have, of, I, or have I, I just have scared actually, the life out of you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have, I have actually considered that before. I mean, I tried, I've, di- I've also ditched Google as a search engine. Um, I'm on DuckDuckGo and I'm really enjoying it. They don't store like personalized histories. So they don't give you like results based on your previous history, which is perfect for trying to do research like this. But, but you're absolutely right. It, it could become like a self-perpetuating feedback loop where, where, you know, one second you're searching about, um, you know, the like who was known to Epstein or who was mates with Jeffrey Epstein and the next you know by the next evening or I don't know month (laughs) you're 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 searching about you know how Hillary Clinton you know cooks her children Um, (laughs) because you get this like endless feedback loop and then they blame us for for you know going crazy when when they're the ones feeding it to us but um, (laughs) no you're 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 totally right and it's 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 a really scary thought that something could have that much power, but but your description of, of living under like a one world corporation is is probably pretty accurate, especially in the digital world. I mean, the 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 problems that I I sort of identify with the internet as causing um, like polarization, more uh, more divisions being created in our society, and more tribalism, as well as just people's inability to listen to each other. Like they're all the things that I sort of attribute to being the problem with social media, but they only really started to emerge when social media became this like big catch all behemoth that, that, that was, there was 90% of the, of your interactions of most people were on like three websites. That's when it really became problematic for me because they then gained so much power and so much data as well, importantly, and then so much money as a result. And they become like the, these, these centralized nodes where they are the gatekeepers of everything essentially in our digital world. And, and yeah, that scares me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like to hope that we're starting to see the beginning of that monopoly start to crumble in a way i mean there's there's definitely a lot of like uh, anti big tech sentiment starting to brew especially like there was the the facebook data leak where they they it's just been revealed that they leaked the 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 phone numbers and data of 553 million people hopefully that'll get them a big fine yep and there's you know talk of antitrust lawsuits there's a growing resentment towards this like hyper wealthy class of silicon valley billionaires and and we're starting to see like an exodus forced and sort of voluntary from platforms like youtube where people are are diversifying to to other places i mean parlor was obviously shut down but it shows that there's a, a thirst for people to go elsewhere and and i hope that, that we will start to move towards a less centralized version of, of the internet soon. And it will, it will sort of hopefully try like solve a few of the issues, at least with social media and how it, how it can be um, exploited to, to sort of manipulate our democracy. So when it came to Brexit, and this is something that I'm, I'm we're going into an area that I'm not too familiar with here. Politics is not my thing. Um, 
how do you think Facebook was used to swing that vote? I mean, a lot of people that I kind of, my initial was, oh, well, I don't vote either way because I don't know, I don't feel like it makes any difference for me. But I have no problem with anyone else doing whatever they want to do because people are far more up to date on it than I am. Hmm. But there was this side of level, especially in the conspiracy world, was that people like, I think it was Edward Heath, who got this into the European Union in the first place, and then you want to get out because he was quite a, a nasty, horrible man. And um, but obviously, coming out of um, coming out of Europe, the European Union was anti-globalist. So you were diversifying things. But then I started to realise, speaking to my good friend Neil Sanders, that actually maybe it was probably far not quite what I thought it was. Mm. It doesn't seem. It seemed like you, that we were in a situation where we were in, you were damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Anyway. Yeah, I guess that's a pretty fair <laughs> fair assessment of it. Um, the the thing with the the problem with the EU was that it was um, seen as like a quite a like a globalist organization. Essentially, it was it was run by the sort of unelected bureaucrats that run the World Economic Forum or uh, the Rand Corporation or the the World Bank or or like the UN or any of these institutions that, that people sort of resent as, as being like the globalists, whether you believe they're like secretly controlling every single interaction that we have on the planet or whether you believe that they're just very wealthy and influential or anywhere in between is fine. But yeah. like, that's, that's, that's the view. The EU was, was like a globalist organization and we needed to get out of it. We needed to like free ourselves from, from that group basically in order to be a freer and more independent nation the now the problem that your your friend um, neil sanders has probably identified is that whilst leaving the eu might be leaving one globalist organization um my fear and it's something i talk about quite a lot in the book is that Brexit will be used to push forward like a very, very extreme form of free market neoliberalism that will really, really damage what is left of Britain, essentially. So for, for people who aren't like politics people and don't, don't know what neoliberalism means, in this, in this particular uh, scenario, or what I define it to mean here, is essentially more privatization of public services, um, more cuts to, to public services, uh, sale of state assets and um, red tape and tax tax cuts, essentially. So it's it's empowering the, the, the wealthiest individuals. Now, the, the argument is always that, you know, this is about free trade and free markets and, you know, not hindering business and, and, and whatnot. But the uh, the, 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 the people who, who pushed Brexit pretty hard and who donated to the pro-Brexit campaign are not concerned at all about your eye. They want to know how they can pay less tax, how they can avoid the EU tax harmonization scheme, how they can avoid environmental regulations, workers' protections, consumer protections. And that's not to say that we're not capable of doing all of those things whilst outside the EU. We totally can. I just don't trust the people who, have, who are now bankrolling the Conservative Party and bankrolled Brexit to do that. So the the, the, the argument is that we've left one globalist organization in order to become more globalist as a nation. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so we are a little bit damned if we do, damned if we don't. But you asked me why I think Facebook is, uh, or how it was used during the, uh, the Brexit referendum. So I talk a lot about dark ads in my um, micro-targeted dark ads. So we've, we've mentioned the micro-targeted ads. 
And essentially, Britain has some divisions that are very similar to, to America, I believe, where we're divided between what um, David Goodhart, who wrote The Road to Somewhere, describes as anywheres and somewheres. So it's people essentially who feel quite comfortable in the modern world. They probably went off to university and are very comfortable with open borders. They would be probably what you would, what people would refer to as like the liberal elite sort of broadly. Mm -hmm. This is very, this is very vague, but like this is just the general theory. And then you have the somewheres who are people who perhaps didn't go to university would, would have traditionally maybe taken like a factory job. They'll stay in the town they were born in. They'll build their life and their family there. Um, and they, aren't really benefiting from the modern world as such. So, you know, either, either whichever camp you belong to, neither one is right or wrong. It's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging. Uh, just because I'm probably an anywhere, it doesn't mean that, you know, I don't, I don't see the appeal of, of wanting to like lay down roots and like stay where your family is. That's, that's great. But I believe that, that take back control specifically as a phrase was, was, was brilliant. Like just like, unbelievably unfathomably brilliant because it, it taps into it take, taps into so many different things like okay so you can you make people made the sovereignty argument it's like okay we're taking back control from brussels but like for me it was more than that it was like a subliminal you know you feel like your lives that your life is no longer in your control all you people whose jobs have been lost over the past 40 years because factory jobs have been shipped offshore and we don't manufacture as much in britain anymore we don't we don't have like a there's not as many apprenticeships and 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 that that side of the economy is is really underdeveloped and and that's through no fault of anyone who has suffered as a result of that and it can be very easy to feel like your life is out of, out of your control. And I feel like that's really what it was tapping into. It was tapping into people who don't feel like the modern world is, 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 is helping them. And in fact, it's probably hindering them. And, and the sort of globalist, sort of liberal elite, anyway, in, in, in politics have, have kind of forgotten about these people. And, and they were given this, like, this moment, this opportunity to say, screw you to the status quo. And, and, and whether they believed it or not, like take back like a modicum of control from the politicians who, who have ignored them for 40 years, essentially. And I feel like that there was, that's, that's why it was so powerful. And, and the, the way they were able to use micro-targeted ads in order to just like plug that message to your specific personality, to like different areas about little tiny little things with variations where you can, you can test like 10 different models of an ad with maybe slightly different font or slightly different wording or slightly different color palette and figure out slowly which are the most effective ones for each different type of person and hone that in real time to, um, to, to it's, and this was this was five years ago what they were capable of doing. Um, so to be um, to to like try and understand what it's doing to us. Sorry, now, Josh, my phone just oh, gone off. Worry. Bear with me. That never goes off during <laughs> thing. I don't know who'd be calling me at this time of night. Sorry, sorry, buddy. We'll go back to that that question. I don't know who's calling me at this time of night, but they never do. Hmm. Just turn it off. Wait. Um, sorry, carry on from you from where you were. I'll make a cut on that. Sorry, apologies. You're right. Um, I'm trying to think what my train of thought was. So yeah, so they they 
I feel like the, the ability to take a message like that that can be really powerful. And that's not to say that this is just the levers that are that are would take advantage of this. They were just better at it in the same way that the the, the, the Trump campaign clearly used their digital advertising far better than 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 the Clinton campaign. It and and both of course, used uh, Cambridge Analytica or um, Aggregate IQ, who are totally not Cambridge Analytica in any way, shape, or form. They just, you know, have all their projects funded because of them, and uh, Cambridge Analytica own all their intellectual property rights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally not, so, the, yeah, not the same company. A little bit like when the news of the world went bust. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, to, to, to be able to have this power to... to, to plug these messages that that i believe are are incredibly powerful because people felt desperate and like they had no control over their lives anymore three million people voted in the brexit referendum that didn't vote in the 2015 campaign i don't think that's an accident because the leave campaign paid for one billion ad impressions one billion now if you don't think that had any effect whatsoever like you're not paying attention yeah it's incredible the power they have. Um, and that's just, that's in politics. Imagine that happening on your daily understanding. So imagine, let's switch that over from politics now to something like the vaccine passports or the vaccine itself, the gene therapy, whatever you guys want to think about having it, not having it. And it's an experimental vaccine. We all know it's an experiment. Of course we do. Regardless of what your beliefs about it, your beliefs will be, and mine included, will, been, will have been implanted and manipulated by what we've seen online that that would have been also influenced by what you're looking for online that's scary because that's something you're putting mm. in your body yeah i mean we we've seemed to divide it divided into these these two sides and it's the same thing that that happens on almost every single issue um and i think it happens primarily because of social media because it's really difficult to have a conversation with someone seriously about something on, on social media. And people are posting their opinions on, on, on big topics, like things that affect everyone's daily lives, like the vaccine or the vaccine passport. And that's, that's not a place in which you can have like a nice, reasonable dialogue. Like, they're, they're, they're <laughs> can, can you imagine, could, like, honestly, this is gonna sound like a comedy sketch. So uh, imagine you post something on, on like your Facebook or your Twitter and you go, no, I, I'm not sure about this vaccine pass. It seems a little bit like government tyranny or, you know, that seems like it could be really exploited in the future or it might go way further than we're imagining or, you know, whatever your opinion is. And someone comments underneath and they say, oh, hey, that's an interesting perspective. Hmm, maybe I can offer this suggestion. And you reply and say, hmm, that's interesting. Here's my sources on this. Where did you get your information? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? it's not designed that way, is it? No, no. And, you, and you're right. And we've had this conversation before when I, I made a film a couple of years back um, called um, Plugged In um, about social media and how it affects young people. And one of the big things that we, we, we talked about was how Twitter was purposely designed for short, sharp arguments because of the, the, um, the amount of characters you have. That's designed for arguing. You, you explain and have long-form conversations and chats, and then you get to the root of it and you all have a hug and go down the pub or whatever. But you argue in short bursts. That's why swear words are usually four letters. 
it, it's <laughs> do you know what i mean it's designed that way design isn't it way. yeah all the good ones yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no it, it totally is and the the other thing is that it's just we are not designed as humans to like interact in that way we're like physically not evolved to do that we are not evolved uh, to to have the, the 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 ills of the world like or or every single controversial thing that's ever happening in real time within three seconds reach of our hand like we can plug into that madness of, of the newsfeed at any moment and that is just horrible for us that that cannot be good that like they're just it's gonna fry your your circuits and i think i think tim dylan the comedian i don't know if you know him he's absolutely yes i do brilliant. yeah he's great i love tim dylan yeah um he he said it's like living inside everybody's crazy mind and i was like that is that is the perfect explanation of it and and we're not evolved to do that and this is the reason that that and well that plus the the way the the algorithms are written is the reason that we end up in these tribes is because the, the the algorithm plus our own sort of biases like slowly build us this little bubble mm -hmm. like a filter bubble or an echo chamber or whatever term you want to use for it that essentially just like walls us off to outside opinion and the more that we sort of consume the opinions of those that agree with us the more we're going to reject anything that is beyond that and the only time that we tend to hear the opposite argument in those circles is when people are are parodying it or they're making fun of it or they're just presenting like the worst argument in the worst way like they're not being fair to the way it was was laid out or 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 the context in which it was said so we i find that we we become just like hyper aggressive to anything outside of our little bubble and again i am totally 100 guilty of, of this on on certain issues but i think this is what's happening on the on the on the vaccine on the vaccine pass it's like some people saying some someone says hmm you know i'm young and healthy i had covid i don't see why i need the vaccine and someone who sees that who will just either respond like yeah you know stick it to those authoritarians or they'll see it and say screw you you're trying to kill all my all my grandparents yeah, you know you covid denier or covid yeah. or whatever their freaking next term is for it and and there is zero dialogue that goes on like none there is no one there is no one saying hey let me address this concern please people who are skeptical of the vaccine or you know someone who is like skeptical of or someone who's sorry who's really pro-vaccine going hey this is why i think this is probably a good idea here's my here's who i'm listening to here's my source you know what do you think of that you know what would normally happen in a conversation with someone and and i i'm i'm hopefully well i am going to be interviewing a doctor tomorrow on this very topic where i'm going to be put into her like the arguments that i've seen people making against like the vaccines masks lockdowns in order to try and have a dialogue about it because the, the we have to talk or yeah. we're just going to end up shooting each other <laughs> like there's no, those are the options <laughs> like we, we learn to talk or things get crazier and crazier until we literally have a civil war it's a good point and i'm assuming that's why you the, the book has got the civil war um civil war in the title you you said a, a great great quote from you from the the podcast i watched today was social media presents the world where everyone seems insane Mm. absolutely it does. 
it really does. It shows everybody who's on social media will seem insane to someone else. And we're showing the insane sides of us, which everybody has, but it's inflamed and it's, it's behind a screen and you haven't got any context for it. You're totally right there. And that's a great way of it. It's a machine to look insane on. It, it's a, it's clown world and it's, it's Halloween, Halloween night, every night on social media. Oh yeah. That's a great way of putting it. But I mean, the same thing happens with, with, um, when, when we get these like bubbles or echo chambers that, so for example, say you, say you have, you, you get like a community of people who all broadly believe the same thing. Um, and then they, they tend to, because of whatever circuitry is in our brains that we crave like approval from our in-group and from our, 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 our tribe or whatever, that we, people will compete each other to be the most crazy, basically <laughs> to be, no, seriously. I know, I know. To be the most extreme version of whatever it is. It's like, you're, it's like, so you're in a group of vegetarians and then all of a sudden you get some guy being like, well, you know, I'm, I, uh, I don't actually eat um, butter. And then you, get, then you get some people being like, well, I'm vegan. And then you get like that guy from The Simpsons who's like, I'm a level five vegan. I don't eat anything that casts a shadow. And yeah. you, get, you get like these people going crazier and crazier and crazier. And it's, it's like a form of like virtue signaling. And we've seen the same thing with COVID. It's like, you know, wearing your mask when you're in a supermarket isn't enough. Then next you have to wear a mask on the street. And it's like, no, who, who, what, you think you're being safe? No, no, no. I'm going to wear two masks. <laughs> yeah. and, or, or people go the complete opposite. It's like, you know, in, in say April, when we had no idea what, what the scale or, or whatever of the pandemic was, like last April, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been and, and people would be like, well, screw you. I don't trust you. I'm just, I want to go running through a field with 10,000 people because, you know, freedom. And you go, well, that's probably insane as well. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> do, do, do yeah. you see no, I agree. Mean? Yeah. Because you do, we didn't know. We didn't know then. And, and even someone who does this work for a living has done it for a good 10 years and, and knew that there was something coming on and could see the main players behind it was skeptical. That I couldn't say, I know now I'd be hard pushed to say, there's anything more than a slightly stronger flu. But mm. I really would. Look, I've seen nothing. I've seen nothing in a year. I've met no one with it. I know the PCR test is not suitable. I know all this stuff. I know the vaccines aren't really vaccines in the way we understand vaccines. I would never get one. But again, as you say, they've took us into two camps. And this is the book I've been working on. And we've spoke about this before we start recording we almost are getting subdivided into a thousand and one cults across the world, but very cults with huge, with huge borders between us. We're all just shouting over the border, but we're all in these tiny little cults shouting at each other whilst possibly we come out of those cults in the end into a world that we don't really recognize anymore. And that's my biggest worry. Yeah. I mean like the, the, the retreat into digital uh, into the digital world is probably is, well, it's almost definitely accelerating all of the problems that, that I've, I've sort of mentioned with, with social media. And, and I was listening to, and I mentioned this on Zuby as well. I was listening to a podcast with, with Jordan Peterson and Brett Weinstein. And the, he commented that a phenomenon that has recently emerged from the increase in online community interactions is a seeming abundance of acute paranoia. One of the causes may lie in the ability to hyper-select the communities themselves. So says at your weakest point psychologically you choose the least demanding compatriots and so your crazy ass ideas are the least likely to be challenged and this is this is what happens in in online communities like to for 
for great or awful reasons. Um, like the GameStop saga is a fantastic, like positive example of it, where, where a group of people get really, really, really deep into like trying to analyze something as a group and the, the specialization and the hyper selection like really works because they're hyper selecting people who are going to be incredibly well versed in the terminology that they're discussing. Uh, obviously, you can get, you know, runaway groupthink and, and if you don't consider outside opinions. But like there are there are positive versions of this as well as the really negative ones. But the, 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 the thing rings true is that we are like being more and more siloed in the communities that don't challenge us and that, have, uh, that don't push like our boundaries of understanding of, of anything. It's just we hear what we, we think already. And, and because of our wonderfully designed like human psychology, that's the thing that we believe like strong like really really strongly i was trying to think of a better word than strongly but we we really we really cling to this the the first idea that we hear and then the more we hear something the more we believe it and the more we cling to it and then as soon as something comes along that even challenges that a bit a bit we're likely to lash out emotionally or violently and and um eric weinstein actually was i was listening to his appearance on um joe rogan it was a, a couple of days ago and he said that it's the reason or what happened at the at the capitol in america on on january 6th was because we had two separate stories that just built themselves up it was either the election was the safest in 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 history you know no no fraud nothing no no irregularities nothing worth looking at and there was the stop the steal narrative and the the Jan january 6th was was the moment in which these two separate stories that had been allowed to exist online and in people's lives without challenge because of the way that we're so siloed in our communities they there was that spark of lightning where they suddenly collided and that's that's what led to the to to, to what happened in on on january 6th and i think that's going to continue to happen and be more and more prevalent the more we we stay in these digital communities this is part of why i i a love podcasts and and b um i'm trying to limit my use of of social media as much as possible because i want to to remain a human and humans talk like we're social mm. beings and we like normal interaction with people and and twitter and facebook is not talking that is that is not talking i mean maybe listening to a podcast isn't talking either but at least you're listening to people trying to have a, a dialogue about something yeah so i'm really trying to ditch these 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 platforms as much as possible in order to like maintain some control of my like own humanity <laughs> essentially um as as crazy as that might sound the hard thing here though is when this is where the the kind of almost like mental shutdown is that we can have this conversation on here and we're getting to know each other and chatting and i'd love to do this again at some time and um speak again because um it, it's i'm learning loads of stuff and also it's just nice to as you say chat and meet new people you've never spoken to before it's the wonderful thing of it but then what do we do with it we have to put it on twitter we have to put it on facebook we have to put it on 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 gab we have to put it on minds um and they're the lesser of the ones we have to put it on the float i've been working with those guys quite a bit there in my next film and there's a new kind of platform and then you've got odyssey and then and, and um library which are more blockchain which i know i understand the tiniest amount about blockchain but it's 
we do these conversations and if we want other people to hear them, it's almost all we have to go and take our precious little bit of sanity and put it in the nut house for people to see. <laughs> That's fr- that freaks me out. So, but there is, what other options do we have? And the only other option I could think of is do we go around the streets and blare it out of a, out of a foghorn on a car? Because we do. We have to take in um, sanity and stick it in the nut house for everybody to try and find some sanity. And that's what scares me because that's the world now. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Um, I, I'm, I'm vaguely hopeful that, first of all, once we, once we get past, oh, if, <laughs> if we get past all this pandemic stuff, that, um, that, that we'll go back a little bit to like talking about things in person. Like a lot of a lot of the things that I, I I end up listening to outside of what I consume normally don't come from recommendations on the internet. They come from recommendations from friends when I've been talking to them. Like I will go on the internet and I will have my streams of the stuff that I already listen to. So I guess there's there's that, and and I kind of hope that, or I kind of try to use Twitter uh, as I the the one the one place thing I still have, um, and YouTube as 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 like as a way to find those conversations i don't use it to have those conversations does that make sense i'm yeah, not yeah. I'm, I'm i'm attempting to not replace or i'm attempting to not replace the 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 real world conversations with a digital version because um and there's a great analogy actually that that i spoke to i spoke to carolyn Steele, who's the author of the book Cytopia, which is just fantastic it's about it's called yeah Cytopia, how food can change the world but it turns into this huge philosophical like thing about like like what is food and what is like our time sitting together and why is that important and and our connection to food and life and death and nature is it just like a beautifully written book but she compares uh this um like artificial plant food um and fertilizer that gets fed to to a lot of a lot of crops across the world at the minute as like fast food for 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 plants because it makes them big and and they like it but they it's it's not making them more nutritious if anything Mm -hmm. it's, it's the complete opposite and she says that and we we talked a lot about how that was similar to what social media is for our social world because it's you know we like it we take it in we build these big things with it and it grows huge but it doesn't actually replace the 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 actual like physical and biological needs that our brain and body have for real interaction with people and 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 that's what i'm i'm hoping that people will read my book see how horrifying social media is for not just our democracy for, for us as people and for our you know the way we consume ideas and the way we interact with with our entire world and and try and like switch off a bit and and, and rediscover the more analog versions of that that's yeah that's that's essentially my hope <laughs> so what we're kind of describing there is that there is the, the social media talks about how it connects people all it really does is replace real connection with an augmented connection like you could take the analogy of when we die we all get buried together in a graveyard we want to be close to each other we don't randomly bury each other out in the fields like six over there and there's 48 over there there's nine we we want to be together mm. and we we have and i think what you're saying there is and that's kind of you could have this philosophy of well, are we all one soul are we all one consciousness which i believe we are but there is an element of well no matter how you stretch us apart we will eventually will come back together and i think that's the energy that we 
that we can we can invest our hope in is that no matter how you spread us around we we just we we are magnets and we will come back together and i don't think this is going to do any long-term harm and i may be talking about 20 30 years this digital nature will event it will never compete with being sat next to someone me talking to you over here will never compete with me sitting next to you in the pub or at a park bench chatting it never will and it can never and that to me is something that, that this whatever this is can never ever break it just can't and even the people that are trying to break it they're trying to connect with each other in their their joint effort to break it mm-hmm. because that's what we do we stick together because we are probably all one and maybe that's a nice way of <laughs> thinking about it because we get these feelings like i chat to you on here and i'll go away and i'll feel better from because all day i've sat in here and edited that's something that can't be replaced through a tv screen i don't ever believe no no but there's there's like a back and forth do you know what i mean it's it's and i i think it's it's almost underrated in in our world today because I, I, I like to think a lot about, or at least of late, I've been trying to think a lot about what what it would have been like for people 150,000 years ago, like what that world would have been like and what our lives would have been like. Because as far as we can tell, scientifically at least anyway, like humans 150,000 years ago were not that cognitively different or at all from us today. Like they, there isn't very much physical like we might be a little bit taller nowadays because we've you know better more nutrition but then hunter gatherers ate better than we do in the modern the modern world they had a more varied and nutritious diet than 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 we do now which is and they have more they had more free time than we do now (laughs) like hunter gatherers so but but then like okay so what did they fill that free time with and it was just it would have been social interaction like we are, we're literally social beings. Like that is what we are. And there's, there's, there's so many like wonderful neurological benefits to actually talking with people. And, and, and it's so easy. It's like, all you have to do is talk and, and, and you'll feel better generally. Like I don't know anyone who's having a bad day and they have a conversation with someone and they come away, like having, having actually talked about what's making them feel down or, or, or what's getting them, or, or they don't even have to talk about that necessarily, but generally just the conversation itself will make them feel better. And that's, that's not just like an illusion. That's actually our biological programming. Like, like our body is reacting to that social interaction positively. And, and yeah, I think that gets missed re- like a lot. As, uh, the, there's a lot of things that get, get missed with, the, with this attempt to like digitally replace huge parts of our lives. And I don't think it will, it'll ever, ever feel remotely the same or, or fill that gap in the way that, that, you know, if you listen to, to Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg or, or, you know, any of them talking about, you know, the digital world, they, they pretend like it was just the same, but I don't ever think it can be. No, it absolutely can't be. And I think there's almost a, um, there's a psychopathy to it. There is an absolutely a narcissism to it and a, a level of, being blocked that humanity is gone and this is why i think the big thing about the face masks was pushed so hard because as you say talking to people when a face mask is not the same as talking to people it's really not we have people coming around the house today they both had face masks on i refuse to wear one i'll never wear one but because it's bollocks but also it's weird 
And then you think, okay, there's a real satanic dark edge to this as well, especially when you do it to kids. If you're doing any of this to kids, that's to draw the line with me. That boils my blood. But as you say, that's another way of getting in the way of us communicating and chatting with each other. But they also, as you, you go into in the book, they're monitoring how this affects us. This is one big experiment, isn't it? It's, it's a huge psychological experiment from the think tanks in london these all of these science i mean there's the scientists about these are psychologists that they're listening mm. to these aren't yeah, medical it's, doctors it's, it's, psychology it's, it's, yeah they're behavioral behavioral psychologists most of them weird isn't it a sport, I, I thought this was a medical issue i thought this mm. was a virus it's not mm. is it it's a psychological experiment like the stanford experiment and social media is part of that psychological experiment and i think that they a gathering and I, I this is why i think and I'll, I'll, before we go i'll get your idea on this i don't think this is the big push for it i think this is a little beta test for it and i think in 2030 is going to be the big test for it i think they're just going to see how far they get it okay let's take all that data back and then we'll give it five years and we'll have another go what's your take on that as to me that's that feels like they're just that's what's happening mm. That is an opinion that has been expressed to me by a very close friend of mine who who uh I will not name, but he, he is, um, he basically thinks the same. Uh, it's, I definitely think there's, there's something to it. Um, it's, there's definitely a lot of data being collected on, on how far people can be pushed. I think there's probably a lot of data being, being sort of created on, on how much fear can be drummed up on how much impact the media still has on how ideas can be spread online. And I think most importantly, how you silence the the people who speak out against against anything, um, whether they are right or not, there has been like a really concerted effort to stamp out anyone who challenges a mainstream narrative on 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 like really obviously on COVID, but on a lot of things recently. Just people expressing the wrong opinion are being like silenced. They're being just removed from Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and and everything. Like regardless of of how many sources they may have, or regardless of whether they have violated the, the terms of service, they, they are being systematically removed. And, and my concern is that this is a, a first step to, to just creating a space in which there is no countervailing narrative. You know, on Twitter, you have like left Twitter and you have right Twitter and you have um, like all like Twitter is quite quite a, uh, a plethora of different um, different sort of like sub communities that overlap a little bit. But I think what the ultimate goal would be would be to create like a platform that has nearly everybody on it, but slowly nudges everyone together into this like m what Tim Pool describes as like a monoculture, where uh, there is no dissenting opinion. And, and that is, for me, the most terrifying thing, because ultimately, I believe that is the, the, the freedom of expression and the freedom of, of, of and diversity of ideas is what has made the, I don't want to say the West, because that's not a great, a great way of putting it, but the, the, anywhere that's been really successful in the 21st century has had that amount of freedom. Had, had freedom of thought, of, of ideas, of, of association, of assembly, and all of, all of the most prosperous societies in the history of humanity have had that freedom. 
And I think that social media is slowly taking that away. And, and the pandemic has been used to, you know, to, to affect other areas of that. Um, I think in by, by yeah, very wealthy and powerful people who, who, you know, saw this as a great opportunity to expand their, their influence. And, and yeah, maybe this is the test run. Um, we'll see. <laughs> well, what you mentioned there as well, um, the monoculture straight away that comes to me is what, what you're describing is a cult mm. for the, the digital world's largest cult. Yeah. Yeah. The world's largest cult of a cult and you'll mm. either be in it's brave new world, isn't it? It's you're either in or you're out. You're either in the savage lands or you're in the cult. That is where this is heading in my opinion. And I think it's shockingly clear that's even happening on a medical level now with these passports. Mm. that's i mean that's what's I, the... how can anyone deny that that's at least on the on being served up to us mm. i mean that the passports are terrifying like i i don't understand i i actually i physically don't understand because most of i mean the the, the passports issue is is quite split uh, along sort of traditional lines like it seems to be the sort of and the, the 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 liberals or the left generally seem very in favour of this, and they were they were more in favour of of lockdowns and and sort of expanded government powers and 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 whatnot in this in this era. But I I I I cannot get my mind around the idea that you believe that the government that you are constantly screaming mm. is corrupt and racist. And, and, and like just handing out money to their friends and, and like all of the criticisms they have of the conservative government, they're trying to shut down democracy. They, they use the, the UK government website as a data harvesting exercise. They prorogued parliament in order to uh, avoid scrutiny of the, 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 the Brexit bill. They, they shut down their tr- attempting to not respond to freedom of information act requests from journalists they're, 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 the list goes on and to, to trust a government who is capable of all of those things with a with a, something like a vaccine pass like that that can will can and almost definitely would be expanded to other things yeah. and i don't understand how you can trust that government <laughs> i actually don't understand i don't think they do trust it josh i just think they want to be right mm. i don't think they trust it i think they it. want to I be safe they, or they want to be yeah. Maybe they do. Maybe they want to be safe. But I do think there's a good portion of them people that don't believe this is going to be them safe. I think a lot of them believe they just wanted to stop. And also they feel powerless. They don't want to fight it. They just want it to go away, which is a very juvenile thing to think that's going to happen. When do they ever give power back? When do they ever? They don't. And look what's happened. And and, and this this is what's disturbing about it is that you're willing to until it comes knocking on their door. So you'll have one person in the family that won't have the vaccine. So what are you going to do? Leave them out of everything. You're going to leave them out of all the, the Christmas meals. You're going to leave them out going out to holidays, are you? Because they won't have it. So they're going to ostracize one of your family. Then we're going to see the problems because it needs to come to their doorstep and it will, because this has a finite TikTok level to it. This can't go on much longer. Um, but as you were saying, this is, getting back to your book this is all being fed into the machine isn't it this is all being fed into the machine and that's what's frightening what is this machine and do you think it's completely out of control from what they thought it was because it's self-perpetuating now it's it, it feeds on itself everybody's locked in and even the people that created it you've had people that were part of um i think it was facebook initially that have walked away for it said they wouldn't let their kids on it 
anymore. Mm. And they didn't realize the monster they've created. This seems like Frankenstein's monster. That's, that's, a, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, that film, The Social Dilemma, is, is just not, it's just a whole bunch of Silicon Valley, like X tech giants who who've walked away from from social media firms and are basically saying that they were terrified of it um and 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 as you mentioned it is it's if we're if we're to believe that this is this this moment is being used to learn about what the population will accept then i guarantee there's someone sitting watching you know how the adverts are being pushed out on social media and saying okay so which ones work best what's getting the most response what is drumming up the most fear what is eliciting these responses and that that'll all be being collated um by by facebook if not by the the people who are you know running the adverts themselves and as you say it's it's a self-perpetuating frankenstein's monster that that i think I have this weird hope that we might learn to 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 overcome it as because I don't know I feel like you know human ingenuity is is indomitable in a way um we're, we're we may be screwing up a lot of things but we also I think have the capacity to to move beyond it and uh you know figure out some ways of having a a very prosperous future that's not totally under control by by a handful of tech giants so i i, I try to remain so I, I try to keep some modicum of hope <laughs> well you said there before we end it the, the thing you said earlier is that if it's reading us and if it's reading us all we have to do is change our mind and change our perception and drop our ego and go okay that wasn't right and actually i'm just going to change the way i, I look at I, I make the joke of just feeding nonsense into syria and just saying absolute crap all day long the only thing he's going to learn is crap and then change your mind because there's always chasing us. Then we can change our mind and then it's screwed. It's back to the base one now because all the th- data it's learned on you is null and void because mm-hmm. you've changed your mind. And that's what exactly. terrifies them is because they can't, the, 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 the linear, it can only feed off what you're giving it. So change your mind, change your mind, be free to change your mind every day, change what you do. And that's what they hate. They hate the fact that you're, you're able to swivel and pivot and change because you're human. And that's what I think it keeps me going is that actually we could change this on the mo- on a dime overnight. We could change this and it will at one point. But what you said there before I want to go, go, oh, I think people don't realize that when you're talking about gathering data, they're not just doing it on a social level, on a city level, they're doing it on an individual basis. So they're gathering your data, they're profiling you. So it's almost like you walk into a shop and every shop you walk into is set up for you. And then when the next person in, everything changes in the shop because they want exactly what you want to buy and they know you've got money. So every time it's for you, they're not, che- they're not just testing, experimenting on culture, on society. They're experimenting on you as an individual person. That's mm. what's terrifying. They are profiling you and building your avatar. And I don't think people realize that is that they're experimenting on you individually and your children individually separate from you. And people don't get that. No, no, they, they, it's, it's difficult to grasp though. Like I forget it as well. I can't like even being really well versed in this stuff. I forget. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And we use it. Me and you're chatting over it. We, I I tweet, retweeted something from earlier. I'm not adverse to it. I'm not, I don't know what to do. I've got no answers for it because there's a system that I'm, I I think the only thing we can do is, is keep changing our minds. Mm. and it will gradually just wear away and everything comes and goes and everything changes. But I'm as guilty as this as everybody else because I don't have any answers. 
and problem is people are looking for each other for answers and we we're all a little bit like fuck you know why did this happen didn't yeah. we um josh where can I mean, people find a, your sorry you continue last point i was just going to say there's a great book called digital minimalism which which okay. sets out like how uh, it's a great philosophy on how to use technology so it it like okay. uh, tries to figure out or help you figure out like what is what benefits do you take from what pieces of technology and then um how you cut out the rest of them essentially so it's like trying to trying to encourage you to to like streamline your tech use so that you're getting the benefits from it but none of the well the very few of the detrimental effects uh, by trying to be cognizant of how you use it and what it's doing to you and, and those things so that's that's that that was a great book i read last year it was uh, i find it really helpful it's the reason i'm now off facebook instagram and 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 i've like removed all social media apps from my phone i i don't even use like the internet on my phone like the the browser i just like literally use it for like banking and whatsapp <laughs> um so uh, to find me you can go to the gist jist.co.uk uh you can find uh, me on youtube or on um library odyssey at also the gist um and yeah you can find my podcast on on youtube and it's on spotify apple wherever you get your podcasts so yeah check me out there fantastic and i'll put all the links below just before we go explain to the audience what the gist is uh it's essentially my my blog website is where i put like my podcasts um any articles i write and uh the the, the philosophy is basically I'm trying to get people to look at different different sides of of different issues um and try and consider people's opinions from from every sort of walk of life i mean i i on my podcast specifically i have people on talking about every single topic you can imagine i've had on politics i've had everyone from like pure like legit flat out communists to people who were actually at the capital on january 6th like i, I mean I, they weren't inside but they were there yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the rally um so i like i had ev- that and everyone in between so my whole point is like i like to talk to people about their thoughts and and that's what i'm trying to promote essentially that's fantastic guys i will put all the links below and please um check out josh's books it's brexit the ext- i'm sorry the establishment civil war so it's brexit the establishment civil war and i'll put the links below to everything all the podcasts to josh's um website so thank you josh it's been lovely to meet you lovely to chat with you and we'll do this again sometime so guys thank you for listening and please comment below love to get your feedback and um i will speak to you soon take care bye-bye i'm unapologetically fly no wonder why that's just my attitude yeah okay that's just my uh, 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 come on yeah yeah uh.